Welcome to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's encouraging message. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. I'm going to start at verse 5. So Revelation 19, verse 5. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you, his servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. And as I heard, as it were, the voice of a multitude, the sound of many waters, as the sound of a mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Now, I've read this scripture many times, and I saw something when I was reading it that day. And I, I mean, this is the Bible that I've been carrying for, I mean, I've been using probably since I was 30, say 20 years. And I saw something that day that I'd never seen because I was reading it, and I was reading it is what I'd always heard. And that is that the wife has made herself ready. It wasn't the bride. It was the wife. And I was struck about that. You know, I was once a bride. I am a wife. I have this picture of when we were really young. This is literally the only um, spontaneous picture. Back then, everything was very set and staged. But we came out the door married um, before we went to the reception and we were bright-eyed and ready for marriage. We didn't have a clue. <laughs> and I thought about, you know, we, Sam and I have um, the privilege of being a part of a lot of weddings. And this was different because it was a vow renewal. And the tagline that they'd chosen for this renewal was, we still do. We still do. After 30 years, we still do. And I started thinking about how when Sam and I made, stood before God and before a community of people, and we declared these vows to one another, we really didn't have a clue to what we were committing to. How many of you are married and say Amen. <laughs> Really? We, I mean, it's like there was so much, Danny Silk calls it la-la factor. La-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la! It's going to be wonderful! And it is. Sorry about that if that hurt your ears. <laughs> but the truth is, and it has been, but we have faced some things that we never, ever, ever anticipated that we would face. And I bet that if you're married, you could say the same. There's been some incredible gifts 
that have been wonderful that I never dreamed. But there's also been some incredible challenges. It hits all, you know, those, those commitments, those vows, and sickness, and health. I'm choosing you above everybody else. And so I was thinking about my friend and how they knew what they were committing to. And they're saying, we're still doing this. We're still in. And it was important to them. They have these three kids. And before the wedding, and I, I've known them since, you know, they were, I don't know, five was the oldest. And, um, and they're now you know, 21 to 28. And I, and I, right before we were, we were waiting for Jane to come, and I, and I pulled him aside and I said, do you know what a gift it is to see your parents renew to God and to you and to, you know, each other? We still are committed to one another. Do you know what a gift that is? And I said, I bet if, you're, if, you, if you stop and think about it, the majority of your friends' parents are probably not even still together. And, and, and that's not a, uh, you know, I have, um, if, if you've heard my history, I mean, I, my parents had been married before um, they met one another. They got married by the time, you know, I was 10. They separated by the time I was 13. They got a divorce. By the time I was 15, they both remarried. By the time I was 18, they both got a divorce again. And I love and honor them both. Marriage is hard. There's no knock. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. But I feel like the Lord is wanting us to understand that the enemy has really, really, really been after marriage and after family. And I feel like he's given me some insight that you're going to understand. You're going to see something that you may have not considered before. And that is when the world sees a marriage is to be a picture to them of Jesus and the church. And so if he can distort that, it's actually, I mean, this is the most, it's supposed to be the most natural thing to declare the glory of God and who Jesus is and who the church is in response to Jesus. And so I feel like from the beginning, he has just gone after that, like in, in the garden, he went after it. And there's been this struggle and this wrestle to where there's so much confusion now of marriage and even what it is to be male and female. And there's so much a struggle of thinking if you read the words and you hear it through the, the filter of the, the humanistic and the worldly saying, and yet I'm asking, oh God, give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. And not only about marriage, but bigger than that, bigger than that is that we are his bride. We are his bride. And I want to propose to you that not only are we to be his bride, but it's time that the wife makes herself ready. You know, that's a mature. Here, Jane, she's um, nine years older than, well, I don't want to tell you how old she is. But anyway, she's older than I am. And she had gotten a, a beautiful dress, and they had this beautiful setting, and she had prepared this beautiful, and it was so, it was so redemptive. At her original um, wedding, 
her father, there was an issue that he couldn't get over, and he chose not to come. And so just that he was there at the 30-year renewal and that this couple who loved Jesus and who chose forgiveness made a way for him to come. And he stood there as he got ready to walk her down the aisle, and he said, thank you for giving me a second chance. Her heart could have been wounded and struggled and forever forgiven, and yet it became an opportunity for him to see a second chance. And you know what happened? Before we left Jamaica, he not only had a second chance to walk her down the aisle, but he became part of the bride of Christ as he surrendered his life to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Through forgiveness, through allowing to have the heart of the bridegroom. You know, Jim Parker had said before we left, he, he anointed our feet, I think. And so where you go. It's like, and it's like that's what God wants. Wherever we go, he wants us to carry about his heart for the people around us. So I've been pondering, what does this mean that the wife has made herself ready? Well, I'll tell you one thing. A, a, a wife, like our, our marriage has, had come to, has come to some hard places where we, and we went into it, one thing, thank God, we went into it just saying divorce is not going to be part of our vocabulary. We're not going to use that word as a threat And there were times where my heart was breaking, and I had to say, I'm choosing covenant. I'm choosing, and it's not me, it's like Christ in me. But I want to tell you something. There is a picture of Jesus and and as as Christ and us as the church, as his wife, that the world desperately needs to see. So I'd like to take a look at that. Would that be okay? You guys okay? All right. Um, If you would go to Ephesians. Actually, before we go to Ephesians, go to Hosea. You're like, where is that? (laughs) You know, um, it's in the Old Testament, of the back half of the Old Testament. Funny story, when I was in college, I bought a a new Bible, and and, um, it was missing Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. I know. (laughs) And, of course, I didn't find that out until about... I don't know, maybe even a year. I mean, it's not like the go-to. Um, anyway, and I had already marked it up, and I was like, okay, there's four books missing. <laughs> anyway, they replaced it. It was good. <laughs> but now I know how to find, because I was searching. Anyway, Hosea 2. I'm going to start at verse 14. Therefore, behold... I will allure her. This is, um, and then let me just stop and say this. Hosea is a prophet, and God told him, I want you to marry a prostitute so that there can be a picture of what it's like with Israel and me. Now, how many prophetic people do you have? Aren't you glad that that wasn't your assignment? (laughs) So in context of this, God says, therefore, behold, I will allure her, I'll bring her into the wilderness, and I will speak comfort to her, and I will give her her vineyards from there, and the valley of Achor is a door of hope. 
She shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land. And it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me my husband. And you will no longer call me my master. Verse 19, I will betroth you to me forever, and I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice and loving kindness and mercy, and I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you'll know the Lord. I just want to stop and say the Holy Spirit prompted me about this thing about Valley of Acor, and I just want you to know that there is no place. See, the thing is, is that we, if we're all honest, is we'll put it in the natural realm. If you've been married, if you're honest, you can say, I have not been faithful to those vows. Now, now don't, like, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that I've just sexually not been faithful, but I've not loved always. I've not honored always. I've not cherished always. There's been times I've been physically there, but my heart has been far. Right? Okay. So as a body of Christ, as a as a as a, a bride, as a wife, I think we could all say there have been places that I've drifted in my heart. Right? You know, we come to this place where we kneel and we go, God, here I am, all of me. And, and, and he takes us at that, and then little by little, he wins our heart. <laughs> what Rocky was talking about, his kindness leads us to repentance. It begins to show us the things that we didn't even realize weren't his, little by little. But he is always faithful. It says even when we are faithless, what? He is faithful. And so this is the beautiful thing about this picture of Christ in the church, the bridegroom and the bride, or I believe God's calling not just king of glory, but the bride of Christ into a place of maturing. I still do. I still do. God told me that there have been many people that have left the church out of disappointment, out of hurt, maybe at God, maybe at people, and they go, oh, I'm just going to love him. And then I was talking to someone that I've watched the progression. At first it was going, you know, I'm just going to, you know, my church is going to be me in the mountains. I'm just going to have a good time. And then now it's, oh, I, I love Jesus, but I, you know, and I'm not even sure now if I believe the word of God. And you know what? It doesn't matter because his imprint has already been upon her heart. And I know that he, began, who began a good work, carries it to completion. But how we walk with people when they're in that place can be a game changer. Just like my, my friend and her husband choosing a second chance. And that second chance wasn't just then. It, the, the, um, the father probably entered into the life of the grandchildren when they were in elementary school. There was probably 10 years of total disconnect. 
And yet God is a God of redemption. And a lot of times we expect the right now. And he says, I am working. Will you just carry my heart? Valley of Achor, you know what that is? That's a place where Achan, they went into the promised land, and God told them, do it like this. And Achan withheld some of the spoil for himself, and it cost the entire camp. And so, like, this is really hard for us to understand because this is Old Covenant, and we're a New Covenant. The Old Covenant was, okay, go to this valley, and now Achan and his family they were all stoned and destroyed. And God said, yet that place of destruction, and you might be looking at your life and going, I have my own places of valley. And God's saying, no, 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 that place is a door of hope. I want to breathe life there. Okay, let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians 5. Now, this is a very familiar passage. There. And but I want to read it, and I want you to read it in context. See, Paul talks about a mystery in marriage. And I'm going to read this passage, and I would submit that most every time I've heard this passage, I've heard it only in context of a natural husband-wife relationship. And there's a lot there for the husband and wife. And, and Paul is speaking about husbands and wives. And yet he talks, though, about the mystery of Christ and the church. And so when we read this passage, as much as you can, I want you to think in terms of Christ and the church. Okay? Verse, I'm going to start at verse 21. And I'm in the um, New King James Version. It's going to say the word submitting. It's not a bad word. It's been misused. That's not a bad word. It's a good word. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her by the washing of the water of the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, and he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. 
We are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ in the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, I made a list this morning based out of what I just read. Christ and the church. Christ is the head of the church. Sam and I might have the honor of pastoring this local body, but Christ is head of this church. And not only is he head of this church, this church is just part of his body. He's head over all his church. He provides leadership. So I want you to think in terms of you as the church, male and female. See, here's the thing. There's a lot of pas passages that talk about sons, and actually is for sons and daughters, sons. Well, today we're talking about the wife and the bride. All of us thinking we're, Christ is Christ, we're the bride. Y'all tracking me? Okay. So Christ is head of the church. Christ is Savior and the reviver of his body. Christ loved, he still loves, the church. You know, there's a lot of negative about the church. But you know what? The church is the heartbeat of Christ. The church is his plan. Not plan B. The church hasn't come into fullness there will be a time where the wife has made herself ready. And it's not just going to be working on her hairstyle or what we look like on the outward, but it's going to be allowing him to transform us inwardly that our lives represent the very essence of him. As the one who loves the church, he seeks what is good, and he carries it out in great love. Christ gave himself for the church. He sacrificed his life for us. Christ sanctifies the church. Christ cleanses the church with the washing of the word of God. Christ presents the church to himself. A glorious church without having spot or wrinkle but being holy without blemish Christ loves his body his entire body Eric will you remember being like in junior high I don't know maybe you still do this now but like gosh my nose just wasn't quite so we be critical about parts of our physical body. We have been critical of his body. He loves his body. 
We've been critical of ourselves. We've been critical of one another. And it's gotten bigger, like critical within different expressions. You know, every church in this region is part of his body. And there's places that those parts of the body will touch and minister to that we want. And we're to give honor and love his entire body. Christ nourishes the church. He protects it, and he cherishes it. So, I just want to ask the Lord to give us all eyes and ears and a heart to respond as his heart for ourselves, individually as a church, as ourselves, as part of his church and of the church, and especially when there's so much. I wonder how his heart feels every time. Well, I just don't even like the church. That's my bride. I'll tell you something. This guy, I don't think he'd just stand up and be silent with people knocking me. Christ loves his bride. He cherishes her. Now, I'm going to turn it around and talk about the church that was Christ and the church now, the church in Christ. You guys okay? You're really quiet. Okay. The church is subject to Christ. The church, we did it today. We surrender to you, Lord. We're devoted, tenderly devoted to him. See, he's not interested in a bunch. I mean, listen, listen, listen. Let me just get this straight. In the garden, at the beginning, he put two trees there. If he had wanted robots and dutiful people, he'd have never given us a choice. He wants willing lovers that say, I'm going to forsake everything to follow you. It's not a duty, it's a delight. And so a lot of times, once again, you know, submission, like we have to get rid of all the filters of all the religion that we've heard. Every time we hear that word, our guard rises up, submission or subject. Okay, just say, I'm just tenderly devoted to Christ. He's head in everything. I'm loved by Christ. The church is loved by Christ. The church is sanctified by Christ. The church is cleansed by Christ. The church is presented by Christ. The church is nourished by Christ. The church is cherished by Christ. The church is parts, members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bone. Think about Adam when he saw Eve. He goes, whoa, this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. If I'm reading this right, verse 30, it says, We are members of his body and flesh of his bone. For this reason, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two become one. This is a great mystery. I speak of Christ in the church. Jesus looks at us and says, This is my body. Bone of my bone. Whoa! He wants a comparable helpmate. That's us.
want to read something in the Passion. I'm going to just read this over in the Passion, and I'm going to read something God gave me this week, and then we'll stop. This is in the Passion. Out of reverence for Christ, be supportive of each other in love. Listen, love is key to everything. Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love. We are called to love God, love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Love the, those that don't know him yet as we love his body. For wives, this means being supportive to your husband's just like you're tenderly devoted to our Lord. For the husband provides leadership for the wife, just as Christ provides leadership for his church, as Savior and Reviver of the body, in the same way the church is devoted to Christ. Let the wives be devoted to their husbands in everything. And to the husbands, you are to demonstrate love for your wives with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us as bride. For he died for us, sacrificing himself to make us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of the word of God. All that he does in us is designed to make us a mature church for his pleasure until we become a source of praise to him, glorious and radiant, beautiful and holy without fault or flaw. Husbands have the obligation of loving and caring for their wives the same way they love and care for their own bodies. For to love your wife is to love your own self. No one abuses his own body. Listen to that. Christ does not abuse his own body, but pampers it. Serving and satisfying its needs. That's exactly what Christ does for his church. He serves and satisfies us as members of his body. For this reason, a man is to leave his father and mother and lovingly hold to his wife since the two have become joined as one flesh. Marriage is the beautiful design of the Almighty, a great and sacred mystery meant to be a vivid example of Christ and his church. So every married man should be gracious to his wife just as he is gracious to himself and every wife should be tenderly devoted to her husband. This week, I was sitting with the Lord and I was just waiting on him and sometimes, you know, he'll give me just a, a, a word or two and then sometimes I just, my pencil just flows and I, can I just read to you what I felt like he said this week? This isn't, you know, I wasn't even thinking about the message. I just feel like the Lord is saying it's time for the bride to make herself ready. It's time to continue to, you know, and that's what we're doing. We still do. There are some things that we've been waiting for. Some things, you know, we, when you come to the Lord, you go, yes. And then all of a sudden there's all these unexpected places on your journey with him and disappointment. And if you're not careful, you can lose that first love. And we're at a time and a season right now where he's awakening us back to our first love. And it's like, whatever, I just want you and I want your purposes. That's what's happening right here and right now in this season, in this hour. And this is what he said, are you ready? Are you ready for the move of my spirit? 
where my my winds and waters change the landscape of many. Are you ready to completely surrender to my will and my ways, to my very purposes in this hour, to my kingdom, to my reign, to my authority and my power? Will my bride make herself ready? Will my bride become a mature wife? Will she remain faithful to me even when she doesn't understand? Will she receive my love and trust my leadership even when it looks differently than she thought was my plan? Will she stay close to my heart and gaze intently into my eyes? Will she take up her place as my wife at my side? Consider your life and your ways. Will you continue to take all of me, even in the midst of trials and suffering? Will you continue to say, I do to me? Will you love me with your life as I love you? Unconditionally and completely in every season? Will you recognize all I have as yours, my name, my resources, my authority? I will be found faithful to you. Will you be faithful to me? Will you love your whole self as I love my entire bride completely? Will my wife come to unity It's found in the fullness of me, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Will the unity of my bride and purity of heart bring forth unity of marriage, the fullness of my heart, husband and wife? Will you, my beautiful bride, mature and embrace and live, yes, occupy the place of my wife? I do not desire a wife of duty, but of great passion and love a partnership of my purposes, my commission, my kingdom, fruitfulness that is birthed from intimacy. Let my love minister and heal. Let my love call you higher. Let my love transform you to the fullness of what I've called and created you to be. Let my love motivate you in all you say and do. Let my love flow through you so others can know me and experience my love too. In closing, I was reminded of Jesus and how he told the disciples not to be troubled that he was going to go and prepare a place for them. In my father's house or many mansion, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place and I'll go and prepare a place. I will come again and receive you myself. Do you know that back then what would happen is that the, the, the bridegroom would offer a cup, well, to the bride, 
And if she drank of it, he's basically saying, will you take my life? Will you marry me? Will you take my life? And if she drank of it, she said, yes, and I give you my life. And then he would leave. (laughs) And he would go and prepare a place in the Father's house. So Jesus is telling them prophetically, I'm getting ready to offer you my life. And I'm going to go, but I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And I am going to return. But be under of good encouragement and cheer. I've not left you on your own. I've given you the Holy Spirit who's with you. I'm going to be in you. I'm going to fill you up. And I'm going to help you. And, and it's so beautiful because you continue to read. And it says, he um, it goes on. And, and they're like, what? You don't even believe. And he said, if you know me, you'll know my Father. And then look here. It says, In verse 12, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes the works I do will also do greater works than these because I go to be with the Father. See, what a mature bride looks like is what Jesus did on this earth. That's what a mature bride looks like. When he said, when when Sam married me, I didn't just take his name. Everything that he had became mine. Everything that I had became his. Everything that Jesus, he says, all the authority I have, I what? Give to you. Now what? Go. And I believe a shift that's happening is that the bride begins to go, I just care about what is on the heart of my bridegroom. And that is that people, too, can be part of the bride. That they, too, can be part of the family. Let's just pray. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.